was what the name of the chapter was. For those of you who might not have read it, it's it was it struck Susan and me both as very powerful. Of course, all the chapters were powerful. One of the most remarkable things that Nehemiah accomplished was not only that he built the wall after decades of disrepair, but he inspired and led the people to build it in only 52 days. That in and of itself is really miraculous. I think if I had been alive during that time and you told me that the wall would be built in 52 days, I would have said, no way, that's impossible. And the thing that is incredible about that is that not only did he build it in 52 days, but he built it in the midst of opposition and threats from the outside, which makes it even more remarkable. And what the overall sense of that is that it gives me hope that some of the tasks that are before us, that all of us are facing in this hour as leaders in the world that we're in, that there's hope that we can, there's walls that are torn down that need to be rebuilt and that we can do that, that with the direction and the empowerment of the Lord, that there's amazing things that we can do. So that is a, the whole book of Nehemiah is a very hopeful book to me. Nehemiah, I, I the, 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 he, the author outlined Nehemiah's character, 16 character traits that were mentioned. I'm just going to go through them real quickly, and then we'll go to the questions for the breakout session. He showed courage in the face of danger. He had genuine concern for the welfare of others. He identified with his people in their sorrows and in their sins. He exhibited keen foresight. He carefully planned his strategy. He was decisive and could make clear decisions. He was uncommonly empathetic. He was a realist. He accepted responsibility. He was a vigorous administrator, a calm crisis manager, a fearless initiator, a courageous decision maker, and a persevering leader. He was resolute in the face of threats and vigilant against treachery, a leader who won and held the full confidence of his followers. This is really just brings out so many incredible, great characteristics of Nehemiah. Most of us have read the book of Nehemiah, some of us maybe several times. It's worth another look, just in light of the time that we're living in right now. So for the breakout session, the I think the one sentence that stood out or one statement that stood out in this chapter to me and to Susan, I think most, was this on page 201. The spiritual leader's primary task is to build the faith of others. So I'm going to, the questions are based on that. I'm going to put them in the chat right now. So point one, give an example of how a spiritual leader in your life has helped to build your faith. And point two, what can you as a spiritual leader do to build the faith of others. This requires a little bit of thought, but I think it's very provocative and worth worth looking at. Susan, do you want to say anything about these questions or about the statement about the spiritual leader's primary task? I think that the spiritual leader's primary task of building faith in others pretty much summarizes this whole book. It puts everything into a perspective, into point focus. If there's anything you take home 
from the discipleship time, put that at the tip of the spear. Yeah. One of the things for Watchmen is we are constantly looking to build each other's faith and, uh, and we're looking to build the faith of the people that we lead. Just so important. We can't miss that. So Susan, take us into the breakout sessions. Let's go until a quarter to the hour. Okay. Here you go. And the breakout sessions is always so short. Okay. Everybody, let us go right into, because we're just a little bit late. Let us go into, I think we had, how many rooms do we have? So I think seven, right? Seven. Yeah. Okay. So let us just go. We'll just do start with room one. Room one leader, would you like to mute yourself and give us the main points in your group? Thank you, Dr. Fred. We were in room one and uh, what amazing leaders we have and their testimonies were powerful. Different levels of growth as two of them were young leaders when they were young and how their uh, leaders then, the, whom they identified them as leaders and gave them the training and encouraged them. So that really was foundational for them. And that enabled them to come into, in, as they grew in leadership. And in fact, Shoshana shared about how she had already done this book, Spiritual Leadership was foundational when she grew and came into a new level of leadership that she'd already done that. And the foundational part of it was so influential. As people opened up, uh, leaders who opened up their homes, who spoke into lives, shared a meal, and practically demonstrated faith and leadership were very influential for them. And spreading that faith to the younger generation has been influential as well. And, wow. um, and one of the ladies, one of our leaders, that, that same leadership is even at home, that we are mothers and we also lead in our own homes, but it's challenging to influence our children into <laughs> that kind of faith. And, but we are constantly like a Paul and a Timothy, and it's a different dynamic, but still challenging. But I think we can still apply the leadership and the faith in both areas. And I love that Diane said about this influence of prayer walking that she would do in the ministry for a long time and was able to lead many groups, but then also in, was able to influence people with her faith to the, these groups to, to come into deeper relationship with God and how prayer is important. And though prayer walking was one of the tools that she took, but even in that to influence others to come into a, a how to come into prayer, how to come into a deeper one-on-one -on -one relationship with God. So that was her faith that she shared. And for me, my pastor was the most, is the most, uh, a journey with him for the last 15 years has shaped and molded me. Even though he's way younger than me, he's 20 years younger than me, yet I felt that there's been a, an apostle-prophet relationship and identifying with a gift on my life and me honoring his gift in his life, praying, interceding for him, but he identifying that and in me walking in a house as a, a revival, praying for revival, learning to come into a watch, house of prayer, 
uh, all those dynamics which he influenced and helped. And now I'm able to help others to come into that understanding. Yeah, I feel that it, the leader over us is very influential and helps us to grow. And then we pass it on as well. Thank you. Yeah. Amen. Amen. That's so good. And I just want to mention that one of the uh, most important and most challenging roles that you have as a leader is if you're a mother or a father over your kids, that's a, uh, that's a, so anyone who says that you're not a leader, but you're a mother or a father, no, that's your, that's part of your, that's part of your role. And uh, as having three grown sons who are in their thirties, who all love the Lord, but are not walking nearly in the fullness that we would want them to be. There's an ongoing challenge and how you influence your adult children is very different from how you influence a teenager or a five-year-old. It's a, it's an ongoing challenge, a good one, but, but a challenge nonetheless. So let us go on to room three. Would you? Okay. That's, that's our group. See, we had, Cindy said that she had an elderly lady that passed four or five years ago that was always there to pray for her and her family that touched her. And Raymond's point, which I really appreciated much. In Matthew 24, the Lord said, when I return, will I find faith on the earth? That um, faith is the most critical commodity on earth. And let's see, someone gave an example don't want to be a Job's helper, but carries the presence of God so they can be seen, so God can be seen. And then Gail pointed out Hebrews 11, as a leader that we want people to learn to trust God, have faith in God, and to understand the love of Yeshua. And then Amy was talking about how, as uh, with the nursing students, the caring caring, carried the presence of God and miracles happened. And then also Gail was pointing out, I really love this. I happen to really like Madame Gion, is that how you pronounce her name? How in prison she kept her faith and about Bonhoeffer too, to look at some of the spiritual leaders and that have passed. And and then Richard Bernheim, is that how you pronounce his name? In prison, he heard from the Lord, your only job is to bring heaven down to where you are. And as he was struggling, and then someone actually heard that in a dream, even though he was all alone in prison. So that was our group. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you, Dahlia. All right, let us go to room four. Okay, I've volunteered again. Yeah, so fantastic catch up. I'll try and skim through because of time, but certainly there was a testimony where there was a feeling of being incapable of leading, but through encouragement, through the mentorship, through the insight and foresight of potential this person was able to grow essentially into a role and become very successful. So it's not just about being qualified. It's being uh, 
qualified in the spiritual heart of our attitude and our obedience to what the Lord would call us to do and having a mentor. And then that's also related to, to section two, us then seeing that potential in others. So as a leader, it's not about ourselves; It's about empowering others to see people to become better than what they are, the best that they can be. So there's also with that the notion that we are always being discipled, but we are always commanded to be discipling others. So even as a leader, we may not walk into that position as a perfect leader, but we should be learning as we teach and we should be then using that, the, obviously the character and input of the Lord and the Holy Spirit and each other, but prayer and taking on that 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 mantle of discipling and being discipled. Beyond that, my personal experience was more about learning from bad examples. So there's a lot of things I've learned about what not to do. That's a really good point, that's Alan. A, that's a whole other topic, Alan. <laughs> you, you see a lot of nods on this. Oh, we've been through it all. <laughs> okay. I, uh, I, fed you I, missed I, I got a note here in the chat that that we missed, that I missed room two. Yeah. So I, I apologize for that. Room two, go ahead. Oh, we forgive you, Fred, for that. That's, that's full. Okay. Thanks, everyone. Okay. Thanks, Alan. Room two had a really good discussion about the first point. So that was most of the time. And I'm just going through what people said. It's always the personal testimonies that I think are so moving. Just a first example of someone who was leading a team, suffered an injury, husband couldn't come, lack of funds, but the team gave her the freedom to make decisions. And so she was helped actually by the people she was leading. Example two, in a situation of much pain, just being able to see where God is in a situation and be able to progress in leadership because of that. And Another example that we don't always have to know the person who is encouraging us and so forth, that God uses leaders whom we don't know or don't see. An example was given of Lana Versa giving a prophetic word, which led to faith being built in the people who received it. And just really being cared for by a leader, Nehemiah cared for his people. He was mindful of others and that built faith in them. And a really lovely story of how the Lord woke someone up and said, what are you doing? And the person looked up in the scripture and there were 12 examples of the Lord saying to people, what are you doing? And then that day he was asked if he would lead an intercessory group. And he knew that, that was the Lord speaking to him to move into that role. And uh, just understanding with married couples what the differences are and being able to move into complementary ministry and leadership and not to fight against or expect the other person to be like you. And just lastly, uh, stop, stop right there. That is a really powerful point. That is a really good point. Say it again, Virginia, about couples. I, this is really, this is going to, this well, is. This came from the incom incomparable Jenny Hager, who said okay. that, and this, we often see this, the one, one partner in a couple wants to the other person to be like them, but that's not what God's perfect plan is. 
it's understanding that someone might have a particular aspect of leadership gifting and you might have something else and the Lord wants you to work together. It's like wives often try to change their husbands without success, but people go on trying, hoping that they will succeed. It doesn't work that way. It's not God's way. Okay, so we're going to, we'll have to have a special session led by Jenny Hager about couples and how they work together or not in ministry. This would be a, this is a very important topic and one that's fraught with all kinds of issues. But I just want to say that this is such an important point because I know that in our marriage, Susan and me, we've been married for well over 30 years. And one of the great advances, I think, in our own marriage was understanding how our gifts, our spiritual gifts are complementary. They're different and they're complementary to each other and how to actually work together. And that's an ongoing lifelong process we're still learning about it but boy is it rich it's just so important so i just that's a great great statement there virginia thank you so much all right let us go on to room five room five okay my turn we all agreed that testimony was one of the biggest things that uh, for the answer to number one to to help us to build faith and I, we also said that the testimony when accompanied by the word of God. So, for example, someone who is suffering a need, who claims the verse, my God shall supply all my need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. When they share with you, oh, I had no bread for my children. And they prayed and they said, Lord, I'm claiming that verse and you promised to provide. And so when you believe that God's word is true and he keeps his word you claim his word. It's like we're tested in that time. And that gives hope. And then the idea of, Lord, you've done it before, you can do it again. And to the second question, how to build faith in others, sharing testimony of breakthroughs and showing where God has molded you in your own life. For example, someone who has had some kind of a physical a problem, a broken whatever, and they've trusted the Lord for it. And then someone hears that and they say, oh, when I have a pain in my stomach or whatever, I can go to God first and I can say, Lord, I know that you heal you. Will you heal that pain and trust him in that way? Encouraging, acknowledging, acknowledging one another's gifting was very important. To take the point of I'm, I'm such and such, I'm a prophet and therefore I'm over whatever, rather than saying we're the fivefold idea where we need all the parts to fit in. And so a leader really needs to encourage by expressing to someone else the, the abilities, the talents, the um, characteristics that they have that are God-given that are appreciated by others around them. And one comment was made that we're like a giant jigsaw puzzle and each piece is unique but needed. And so that's the way to, to think about all of us. And I know that I had a, an example. I was asked at one point in time years ago if I would oversee a prayer thing. And somebody else that was closer to the pastor than I was, this pastor that asked me, and they said, well, I don't know why he didn't ask me. And so basically I said I didn't want to hurt somebody else's feeling and step in the way. And so I backed off and I said, look, 
if you want to do it, that's fine. I'm busy enough anyway. It turned out I probably should have been the person to do it because it didn't happen. But so we do have to know when we're called to do something. That's another piece of it, I think. Yeah. I think that, Rhoda, that's a huge issue. And I, I'm going to uh, release this to everyone. It, that's out of Revelation 3, the Philadelphia church, where the Lord commands us not to let anyone take our crown. Yep, that's a whole other topic. Right that's there. a whole other topic. <laughs> but I can tell you some of the worst things that we've done in our lives was when we thought we were being humble and let somebody else take the call. And oh boy. Yes, let's not go there, sweetheart. We need we won't to go there. All right. <laughs> All right. We were, thank you, Rhoda. That's great. We were room six. Great discussion in terms of building other people's faith. There were some great comments about this. One of them was just simply spending one-on-one -on -one time with people, not, not sharing your heart and sharing who you are with someone else, that that in fact helps build their faith. And that's an aspect of leadership. Another comment was that helping to build one another's faith is when you're ministering to people such as in a sozo situation, an inner healing type thing where you're helping others to break, break walls down, especially people who've been through trauma. That was a really interesting take on that. And then there was another person who shared that she never really thought of herself as a leader or but just simply that it was very important for her to share her life and be transparent and authentic with, with, with other people. And that in, in and of itself helps to build one another's faith, that you're building one another up. Then there was another person who also said, who was very, it was very interesting. She said that other people had noticed her leadership and had called her a leader, but it made her really nervous because she didn't really see herself as a leader and maybe didn't want the responsibility or thought of herself as the way the world sees leaders and didn't want to see herself that way. So it's a, I think it's a challenge for her and for people in our group and for many of us to really take a look at ourselves through the leadership lens. And are we really, you know, what, and it's not a question of whether we're leaders or not. It's a question of how God has called us and our, how we can steward where he's called us to lead. I think this is a very, it's been a very provocative hour and just a great time. We're over the hour mark, Sue. So we're going to go back to you for final. Well, don't we have room seven? Oh, room seven. I'm so sorry. God, I missed, I'm so sorry. I missed room two and then room seven. All right, room seven. Please. So sorry. Unmute yourself. I don't know. Did one of the others want to do it? I don't know. Anyway, just a very brief one. We had a, a lot of what you were talking about, this one-on-one -on -one and the impact of apprenticeship, the impact of actually being shown and seeing. I think I gave an example of sitting on a bus in Jerusalem with a beautiful PNG brother, unpacking the scriptures for me, showing me places in the land, 
huge dugout holes for new buildings, taking us to the scriptures so that the word and the practical reality married, but it was in a relationship of two-way communication. And that sort of grounding in the word, the foundations can be so faith building. So people then know where to go and find the word for themselves and then give it to others. And there were just some very wonderful sharings about personal testimonies. Another dear sister where she found herself in a situation to do something way beyond what she felt the capacity, but others actually exhorted, encouraged, equipped, lifted her up. And she did it. She had to really rely on the Holy Spirit and totally surprised herself. And then another precious couple, the brother was saying he actually had this opportunity to live in a house with this brother who was training him to be a pastor and who was very transparent and honest and allowed him to be part of praying through each other's difficulties. And even in the church now, when they've got family troubles to come together and they can weep together, they can cry out to God together. So it really comes down to this heart to heart intimacy with God, with one another and that servant heart of lifting up one another. Yes. Amen. Amen. That's so good. And that is one of the key differences between spiritual leadership and worldly leadership for sure. Yep. Thanks Hillary. That's great. All right, Susan, we're done with the groups. So back to you. I just want to thank everybody for going through this, this series in the journey next week, we will have intrepid Jenny Hager who has basket full of wisdom to talk to us about some of the practical outworkings that she's seen and walked through with some of the concepts that we've learned in this spiritual leadership book. Jenny, did you want to say anything to that? I just think the things that I'll be sharing will really encourage many of you because I have walked, I reading this, I think I've walked through chapter by chapter and the things that the Lord has taught me and the things that I've got wrong and that's sometimes where I've learned my best lesson. But it's a remarkable story, really, of all the Lord has done in the, in, in the various spheres of influence that I've been involved in. Hopefully, it will be an encouragement to you all. Yeah, and I think we can all just ponder this weekend. I want us to really soak in this book and some of the concepts that we've learned. I pray that God inspires your spirit in your prayer life and your just thought life on where he's growing us, where he's commended us, and also where we can learn. Anyway, that's going to be next week. The following two weeks, we will not be having the journey. It is the time of the Herrenhut Summit. Honestly, we're going to be applying a lot of the concepts that we've learned in this book. Going into that, I can tell you that it is one giant step of faith for everyone who is coming. We are not to go into fear and doubt, but believe that God is going to meet us there. And I believe that this is going to be a highly strategic gathering and that God's going to bring some clarity and some strength to the Watchman movement or whatever you want to call it, and give us, commission us out of there with fresh understanding. And 
strengthened relationships going forward. And we are going to need it. We are in a season of war, have no doubt that is happening and that we need to sharpen one another up and lock shields at this hour. It's vital. And so the enemy is throwing up all the dust in our face. You just wipe it off and you keep going. <laughs> and we'll be there. I'll have more information on the bus. We're just finalizing that detail for you at the Prague airport. You guys are no longer cats going you in there. You're lions <laughs> and you know where to go, <laughs> okay? <laughs> You're being commissioned as the lion force. But that's all I have to say. If you'd like to pray into the gathering, we will be doing a prayer. You're invited into our prayer time right after the Israel Watch on Wednesday. All right, thank you, my dear. Let us go to Cherie. Cherie, would you like to close us off? And we just thank you for our time together and we thank you for the way that you are growing and challenging us in our walk in leadership. And Lord, we just pray that you would continue to grow our character and to grow us into more and more likeness of you. Lord, just help keep us in that space of being teachable and open to what you're doing and open to what you're saying. Lord, we just pray blessings over Sue and Fred as they've been leading us and just over Jenny as she prepares for what she's going to bring to us next week. And we look forward to it. Amen. All God's people said, Amen. Everybody unmute yourselves, wave to each other, say, I bless you Amen. in the name of the Lord. Amen. Thank Thank you. You guys. Hello. Hello. <laughs>